The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details. Tenakoto, you drum and bass enthusiasts. Howdy mai to the Paradise Delay podcast, an exploration of electronic music and mental health. Join us for the midweek breakdown on Fresh FM. So, been doing a bit of travelling this past couple of weeks. I've travelled down from Whangarei up north. Headed down through Auckland and Tauranga and I spent the last couple of days heading around the East Cape on the way to Gisborne in New Zealand. And there's a car. There's always a car. I'm parked out on a pretty secluded road, I thought. Another car. <laughs> I thought I might, you know, be kind of secluded out here down a dark narrow road in Gisborne, but apparently not. That's okay. And there's a mosquito in the van. There's always a mosquito. <laughs> I'll catch a guy later. Hello, mosquito. Please don't bite me while I'm recording this podcast. Yeah, okay. So, I've been travelling around Gisborne, down to Gisborne, and... It's been brilliant. It's so beautiful down here. We went along the East Cape, up through the mountains, down along the sandy beaches, and it's great. It's so cool. You really go check out the East Cape. Uh, we found the people really friendly, and it's almost like going back 50 years in New Zealand. Not that I know what 50 years ago felt like. I'm not that old yet, but there's a... I don't know, it's small towns, a sense of community there, it's really nice. And yeah, I met a couple of cool people along the trip, uh, shout out to Danny, so hospitable, thanks for the gin. And he was building his marae, and it was beautiful, yeah, it was really cool, he showed us around, uh, he showed us around the beach, brought us some lunch, so nice, and talked about community a little bit and what we thought about community and it was just nice being out there there's a real sense of community everybody seems to be looking out for one another and I got wondering I got a thinking maybe it's small towns that have the community that real community spirit that the cities kind of lack and I like cities, don't get me wrong. There's an anonymity, anonymity, anonymousness to cities that I like personally. I just think that 
You can be anonymous in a city, it's a good thing. But you're not really accountable to your actions. What I mean by this is that no one really knows you in the city. If you are rude to someone, no one's going to know who you are. There's no real repercussions to it. Cities are great, there's heaps to do. But they don't have that community spirit that small towns have. And there's a lot of bad things about small towns as well, but the community... I just like the community in them. And I wonder if it's possible to bring that community to cities and how you would go about it. And I was thinking about it a lot and I just couldn't help but think that the more people there are in a place, the less community you find there. Community is so important to be a part of. Uh, Yeah, but there just doesn't seem to be that community there. There are small communities within cities and if you maybe can't find your community in a small town, there will definitely be a community for you in the city. That's one of the benefits. But yeah, I don't know. That compassion for one another was so nice to find out on the East Cape and just cows wandering on the road while you're driving and horses, people riding horses into town. It's just cool. It's like going back into the Wild West and it wasn't the novelty of it that I liked, it was the community, I think. Another car going fast. Thought I was out in the wops. So, I've been reading this book, right? Should I should get to the podcast. And it's a pretty good book. It's a tale about a man who's wrongly imprisoned. You might know this book. And when he's imprisoned, there's just, you feel so much empathy for him. He's such a nice guy at the start of the book. Everything looks bright. Uh, his future looks bright. And when he gets locked up, you just feel like it's such a shame and you feel such empathy for the person and you want nothing else for him to escape. And not only escape, because in the story, the reason he's in prison is because people were jealous of him and so they concocted a scheme that got him sent to prison and you want him, you really feel that it would be right in the world for him to get his revenge when you're reading through the book when he's stuck in prison. So you just really want him to escape. And fortunately, the protagonist ends up escaping from prison and then sets about getting his revenge, not by the knife, but by befriending his trappers when he escapes. And because he's been so long in prison, they don't recognize him. So many cars. <laughs> and so he befriends his entrappers who don't recognize him and then he kind of uses their own weaknesses whether it be greed whether it be pride whether it be drunkenness and he uses them against himself and what's great about the story is that it's told in such clarity and with such genuine storytelling when you reach the end of the book and he's gotten revenge, 
and it's been dealt out, you generally feel sick inside. It's uh, the revenge. It's it's not because there's any gore in the book that makes you feel sick. It's the scale of the revenge. And it's so interesting because you've spent your whole time in the book hoping he'll escape, hoping he'll get his revenge. And then he gets it. And you feel... There's so much revenge, it was, it was sickening. And it was just such a good tale that you really feel the emotions of the protagonist. And when it's all done, you as a reader realize that, you know, maybe revenge isn't so sweet as when you'd imagined it. And what's cool about the story is that, like, the, the emotions aren't really talked about by the protagonist or by the storyteller. It's the way the story's told and how people react, which help you empathize. Yeah, such a great book. Thought I had to talk about it. And so I've been sitting at work with my Kindle, reading my book, uh, during smokers, while usually munching on a bit of trail mix. Something else caught my attention in the smoker. I glanced up from the page to a pair of sparrows hopping about looking for a spare cashew. Now it's pretty common to see sparrows around the place. I mean they're common little buggers who like to hang around when crumbs might be on offer. What was interesting on this day is that something caught my eye and one of the sparrows had a tiny little splash of white on it. And so the busy road I think it gets busier at night time. Hmm, suspicious. So, there was a sparrow with a white splash on it, and I looked a bit closer, and yeah, it was cool. The sparrow had one white feather on each of his wings. It was pretty pimpin'. And I was like, holy frick. Of course a shiny Pokemon would be here when I'm not carrying my Master Ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The sparrow finished eating a few crumbs and flew off with a flicker of white. It was peculiar, and I was thinking, was this a senile old sparrow? Maybe an eclectic sparrow that had chosen to, you know, paint one of its feathers white? It did seem like a nice fashion accessory. So I was curious, did a little googling. Now, this sparrow has what is called leucism. And it's a form of albinism. Apparently, one in every 30,000 birds has these white pigments. So, this sparrow was one of 30,000. I thought, you know, like, what luck? A chance upon that. Began kind of going down the rabbit hole. I had seen, well, I thought maybe I'd seen 30,000 sparrows in my lifetime. But I'd never seen one with white wings before. Ooh, that was a big one. I'm going to say it had 12 wheels. So I saw this sparrow with white wings on it. And, yeah, it's one of 30,000. And I'm 30, I'm 30 now, so if I see 1,000 sparrows a year, or three a day, I might see another sparrow with white wings by the time I'm 60. And, yeah, so far I've filled my daily quota for the day of six sparrows. I've seen four or five hopping around the place. <laughs> and yeah, I'll try and keep that up before I'm 60. Hopefully I'll see another one. 
But I did a little more research and I was kind of sad to find out that many leucistic birds with white feathers are less likely to survive because they stand out in their environment. They try and blend into the shadows, but, you know, Harrier Hawk is waiting there to pounce or swoop down. And not only this, but for some reason or another, birds seem to know this, and leucistic birds are kind of shunned by other birds, which is sad. Now, what may gave me some consolation is that the sparrow had a friend who hopped along with him to lunch, or her. One of those cool, non-judgmental friends. I hope you all have one. They're the best. Now, this little sparrow with a white wing, a white feather on each wing, it kind of sent me down the rabbit hole a bit further. It got me thinking about society. Do we, you know, still behave like birds and shun others for their uniqueness? Do we still have the instinct to shun others that are different? And if so, why? Obviously, humans don't have that many natural predators these days. And, I mean, if you chose to have a fluoro-coloured Mohegan, it's not really going to endanger your friends. Maybe it will. <laughs> nah, I don't think it will. Just be cool. And I mean... If someone chose to wear a bathing suit made out of fish fingers and go swimming in the sea in shark infested waters, maybe you should choose to avoid them, but I somehow see this as kind of unlikely. And you know, it might be a bit of a stretch from seeing a sparrow with a white wing, but I think, you know, there's kind of similarities like the LGBT plus community, they get shunned for how they're born and because they're different. And it doesn't really affect other people, and yet other people are so judgmental on them. I don't understand where it comes from. I think it maybe comes from some part of our animal brain, where before, like sparrows, we have this instinct to shun things that are different, uh, because maybe it would have helped our inherent survival. Evolution, maybe. But yeah, it doesn't really need to exist in today's world. I don't know. Do you need to judge someone from their differences? I think it's okay to judge people. Judging's part of human nature, but to judge someone from their differences, I don't know, seems a bit much. Maybe I'm projecting. Who knows? But I do think if the whole world was exactly the same, it would be a pretty freaking boring world, to be honest. So... It was about the end of my smoker. I realized I'd spent most of my smoker thinking about this little sparrow of white wings. And I hadn't been reading my book, which was probably good. Been reading my book too much. I worked for my days, and it was time to get back to the raspberries. But it's, you know, that cute little white winged sparrow made my day. Don't know if you've seen one, but it was interesting. So, enough about sparrows. We'll get to the music. This is a song called Sherry by Daphne. He's, yeah, such a good producer. Just released an album this week called Sherry. And Bar for Bar, 
This might be the most fun there is to be had on a dance record this year. Named after the name of the album, a song in it called Sherry. It arrays rickety FM simps over a bare bones house shuffle. The drums are a model of efficiency, yet the arpeggio teeters around the beat so it could go off the rails at any moment. Imperiling the smooth sailing groove with every stumble and lurch. Zoom. From the haphazard timing, it sounds like Daphne might have banged out the off kilter pattern in a matter of seconds, and then, instead of fixing what another producer might consider a frick up, he just left it alone. Yet the irregularity and the spontaneity are precisely what make it so gripping. This is Cherry by Daphne. It's a banger. Let it soak into your ears like dish soap into a sponge. It's the Paradise Delay Podcast here on the best radio station in New Zealand, Fresh FM.
That was Cherry by Daphne. Fun song. I like that a lot. Gonna have a boogie to it, certainly in the summer. Go check out the rest of the album. The whole album slams. The album's called Cherry, just like the song. You're here on the Paradise Delay podcast on Fresh FM. If you've got something to say, well then you're already a podcaster. Whether you like to talk about cats or yoga mats, find your voice on Fresh FM, home of locally grown organic podcasts, ripe for the picking. If you want to make a podcast like this one, jump onto freshfm.net and send through an email to get started on your podcasting journey. Another big car. I wonder what it's carrying. Something probably into Gisborne, I imagine. Gisborne doesn't have a B. Gisborne. Okay, back to podcast. But seriously, start a podcast. It's easy. I can do it. You could do it too. All you really have to do is pick up a cheap mic and get some cheap recording software. I've got some recording software that is free called Audacity, and it works a charm. Ooh. Okay, the mosquito's back from before. Oh. And it only has five legs. Poor little fella. Um, I might just let it live, I think. I'll let it live. It's walking on my computer screen. I think it must be attracted to the light. Why are mosquitoes attracted to the light? I understand moths. It's confusing. Anyways, podcasts. Podcasts are great. I really think podcasts have democratized content. Meaning that they have made it accessible to create content that goes directly to consumer. And by democratizing it, I mean they've made it cheap enough so that just about anyone can do it. So cheap mic and some free recording software Chuck it online and put it on your socials and you're there. Pretty much. Also, it's kind of easier to make a podcast if you have to make content for TV, like a television show or private radio. You kind of need a big budget to get started. You need gear. Sorry. You need gear. You need producers, engineers, and a lot of the time, if it's commercial radio or if it's television, a lot of it has to be signed off before you can even get started. And when you have to get things signed off, you can have a great idea, you can have it all written up, and then it has to go through the chain of people that sign stuff off. And... It has to be made palatable for every person to reach a greatest audience. And this can often dilute the message. And you just don't get that with podcasts. Podcasts, you can say whatever you like and not whatever you like. Almost whatever you like. And it's pretty good. It's okay. The other thing about podcasts is they're great for niche topics. Like mental health and electronic music. It's pretty niche. Something like this that I make which struggle to be made on conventional uh, outlets, media outlets, 
because they would not gain a large enough audience to make it worthwhile in a financial sense. So with podcast allows niche creators to get straight through to their listeners at a pretty small cost. And the beauty of it is that you can make it safely from your own bedroom. Edit and process it yourself and then ship it off to your consumers through the interweb. The other thing about podcasts is they come along with you. They're convenient. You don't have to plan your life around podcasts. They're kind of there to enhance it. You can listen to a podcast while you walk your dog, or you know, you're driving home from work. You don't have to make time for podcasts. They come along with you. And people are starting to realize this. I mean, podcasts have kind of hit the mainstream. And I think advertisers and the business side of things are noticing. At the moment, the podcast space is being bombarded with celebrities, with huge advertising behind them, jumping onto podcasts. And the crappy thing about this is it's overshadowing small creators. So if you're listening, go support small podcasts as the podcast space is being diluted right now. And that's a shame. Because niche podcasts are cool. Another thing about podcasts is they connect. They have a voice. Not the voice of a blog post or an internet article, but a real-life human voice with subtleties of inflection, emotion, and emphasis. Now, radio does this, but is often a more heightened, emotive tone while announcing traffic or weather updates. You know, I don't... Okay, I'll try a radio voice. Hey! Weather out in Nelson today is looking pretty nice. Get out there with your dandles and go walk along the beach. Be perfect for it. That just sounded American. Apologies, Matt. The thing, about, <laughs> the thing about podcasts is they sound more like a conversation between friends. Podcasts have a voice that breathes life into its context. They can offer much more in-depth content that clickbait articles and often media don't give as much and in a podcast you can explore whole subject for hours on end and it's still interesting and engaging podcasts are also a direct line to experts in their field and people that share your passions and there's one particular podcast that I really like and he defines podcasts well what he aims for is what's called the podcast hug and how he defines this as you are so concentrated that it's almost a peaceful experience you get that kind of creative flow that you get from a podcast where you're not engaged with your eyes i think and you are just there in the moment and you might be mowing the lawns and you're just totally engaged the podcast hug and it's a nice hug The other thing about podcasts is you don't have to be totally dependent on ad revenue. I mean, sometimes when private enterprises like private radio and television, they, you can't really go out and say something like, damn, I started eating fermented oats for breakfast, I feel great. Because you might get scrapped, you know, because 
Your radio station was sponsored by Company that sells sugar encrusted cardboard breakfast. You're kind of limited by what you can say, and you can't take a political stance on anything because you might cause your listeners to turn away. Podcasts, they're great. Start a podcast, please. Look at Fresh FM. They're looking for people to do podcasts. Go check it out. So someone who doesn't do a podcast, but is still mad creative, floating points. I've had them on this podcast before, and I don't know, I just think it's really interesting. That was a ute, I'm pretty sure. Diesel, I reckon. I've had floating points on the podcast before. I just think the things he's doing in electronic music are real interesting at the moment, and he creates songs that are fun and unique at the same time. You know, he's blurring that line between being creative but also enjoying the music. And yeah, it's a banger. This one is called Problems. And it simmers with rave party energy. And the new drum heavy track borrows elements from UK Garage to create an absolute banger. The video is directed by, there's a cool video, I'll talk about it, because it's visceral and it's cool. The video is directed by Hamill Industries and it features dancers with lights that are created using vector rescanning. The song Problems is meant to agitate every single room that its ecstatic sounds waves reach. And... Yeah, it's you get an electrical feeling when you listen to this song and you want to jump on the dance floor because th- the sound waves coming from the song, the music, it's just so fun and unique and I've listened to it a few times and I'm just like, what is going on? So this is Floating Points, Problems on the Paradise LA podcast. We'll see you after.
hello there. Welcome back. I hope you're dancing around your room to that song. It's one to get you out of the chair, on your feet, and tapping your toes. That was Problems by Floating Points. And that's cool. So, before the song, I was talking about podcasts and why I love them. And I do love them. I think they're so cool. They're so interesting. They're such a volume of knowledge to be learnt and in a concise and easy to grasp way. And you can do them while you're doing your business. You can listen to a podcast on the toilet if you like. Haven't tried it? Might be nice. So, I love podcasts, but I'm also, to be honest, a little bit scared of them. Maybe that's why I like them. With podcasts, you have a lot of freedom. You can kind of say what you want to say, and if it turns away it's part of your audience, that's okay, because there'll be part of your audience that will back up what you say, or that will like what you say. And I like that you can say what you want to say on podcasts, but it's also my greatest worry. Podcasts offer the ability, you know, you can make a podcast with just one person. It gives the speaker total control on what they put out. And I love that. That's so interesting. I wouldn't want to be told what to say. And what I'm scared about is this can create a space where only one voice is heard, only one side of the story shared. And, I mean, there are dangers of podcasts becoming echo chambers. And when you tie in streaming algorithms like Spotify and podcasts being on there and the algorithm tailoring content especially for you, it is quite likely that we'll never have to listen to content that exists outside our already preconceived ideas. And that's kind of scary, to not be challenged on your notions, to not have some criticality to what you're thinking. To just hear one side of the story is a little dangerous, and it's polarizing. It might become like social media, where so much that is said on there is polarizing because it garners the most views and podcasts are susceptible to this. The algorithms work so they get the most views and the things that are liked, shared, talked about the most are often polarizing ideas because they are the ones that promote the most anger, the most uh, anxiety and Unfortunately, we're just seeing social media just being full of that kind of stuff. That's why I try and stay off social media. It's uh, bad for my mental health. Speaking of mental health, I want to talk about my experience going to counselling a couple of years ago. Another truck. Where's it going? Uh, I haven't seen the mosquito. I don't know where the mosquito went. I hope it's doing okay if it's five legs. I don't think they grow them back like crabs. Poor fella. So, almost two years ago, I was going through a pretty tough time mentally. And it was weird because even though I was technically doing quite well from a career 
perspective. When COVID hit, I, I guess I felt shocked to feel how little meaning I felt was in my life. It kind of shocked me. It was like, when COVID hit, it was like being dunked in cold water. And the reality of it hit me hard. And I was unhappy. And I needed to do something about it. And I checked out some counselling. I went to my laptop. I Google counselling in the area. And I found a men's counselling service. And I was like, perfect. I'm a man. And that sounds specifically tailored to my needs. What could go wrong? So I booked in a session. And I arrived in a large building. Walked up the stairs to a large office. This office was crazy. It had a drum kit. had guitars hanging on the wall. And every other wall was covered in bookcases. I mean, the place even had a pool table in it. It was ridiculous. This should be my first red flag, really. So I was like, okay, I'll book this in. We'll check it out. And I was waiting for the meeting. And I was like, okay, I'll go check out the books. I enjoy sniffing a good old book every now and then. And I went over for a gander. And I found about one shelf, probably out of about 30, that was to do with psychology. And the rest were full of Dan Brown-like novels. You know the ones I mean? Pop fiction, I think is the word. Like thousands of books with titles like Midnight Connection or Train to Terabithia. And yeah, this should have been my second red flag. But you know, I was looking for help and I was in a pretty low place. And then out stepped a man with jowled up black hair with a goatee wearing bootcut jeans. He asked me to sit down next to a sunburst Les Paul guitar. It was a nice guitar. Now I didn't know too much about counselling at the time. It was my first time. But I did a little bit of googling before and they said it's important to ask your counsellor a bit about themselves. You know, to find out a bit about themselves. See if you gel, see if you're on the same page. Of a pop fiction book. He told me he used to play in a cover band that played in bars and he liked to ride motorcycles. And he used to work for WhatsApp. What's up? Where he got his counseling training. Now, what's up? I hadn't heard that in so long. I was trying to remember the jingle. What's up? What's up? It was a, that was a good song. Whoever wrote that, good on you. And so we got chatting. And it was just strange. It was real strange. He told me there was confidentiality. If anything said in the room would stay in the room. And he started bragging about the fact that some of his clients had told them where the murdered bodies and hid them. And I was like, whoa. Weird. That's a bit much. You didn't need to tell me that. Sounds like oversharing. Now I chatted a little bit, a bit about things. We didn't really gel. That was okay. Talked about how I couldn't find meaning, how I didn't know, felt like there was no real meaning in my life, that I was really missing that connection. And he recommended that I look at a guy called Jordan Peterson. And now, I'd, I'd heard about Jordan Peterson before. I'd watched a YouTube video, and to be honest, I was quite impressed by his interview. 
was interviewing with a journalist on the news. He was very calm, concise, and very assertive and impressive, to be honest. I liked his non-nonsense attitude in the video and I kind of wanted to know more about him. So I listened to a few more things from Jordan Peterson after watching this video, video about psychology and men's mental health and I liked what a lot of the things he said about psychology. I've, I've, a lot of it rang true with me, especially his theories on Carl Jung. I quite like Carl Jung. And he's very assertive, easy to listen to, and his arguments are very clear. The thing is, after listening to a few more podcasts from Jordan, there are a few things that pricked my ears, as if there was an undercurrent to his words. He, he called ideas that conflict with his silly, ridiculous, or insane. He sees debates as a battleground to be won. Not to be learned from or create a better understanding together. And that was kind of worrying for me. As a professor in psychology, Jordan Peterson, I don't know, I found most of his recommendations in that area pretty, pretty good. And to be fair, I actually know quite a few people who have read his book. And quite a lot of people have done well from reading his book. It's improved their lives, which I can't knock down. I think that's good. The thing that worries me about Jordan Peterson is he kind of delves outside his expertise. He delves into evolutionary biology, anthropology, sociology, history to back up his arguments. What really scared me is as I dug deeper into Jordan Peterson, became quite apparent and he was quite clear about it that he's anti-feminist, anti-Islam, anti-trans and against the Black Lives Matter movement and I was like, what? He seems so cool. All these movements are trying to do is push back against oppression they have received in the past. They're all looking, they're all minorities, basically looking for fair treatment and even opportunities as one another. And it's 100% true that they're just not getting that. And what's even more scary about it is Jordan uses what I like to call the Trojan horse technique to get his rhetoric through. It's like a Trojan horse, you know, where the Trojan horse was in... Oh, my history is so bad, I just read a book... Uh, we'll get to that. Was that in Troy? Yeah, it must have been in Troy. <laughs> Maybe it was in the other one. I don't remember. Anyways, Trojan horse left outside the gates. There were men inside it, hiding, and they offered it as a gift to the city, and the city took it inside their gates and then went to sleep, and then when they went to sleep, the men jumped out of the big horse and killed everyone. This is how Jordan Peterson kind of lures people in, I think. He opens with a nice and impressive comment that makes, I don't know, it's that I usually agree with and I, that I think most people agree with. And listening to it, you're like, yeah, that's cool, that's really interesting, that makes a lot of sense. 
And he kind of uses this because you're more likely to agree with his further arguments. He kind of uses the Trojan horse to get through the gates, to get through your criticism, and then brings his rhetoric through, which is scary. And, for example, like the Trojan horse might sound like, this is one of his quotes, The purpose of life, as far as I can tell, is to find a mode of being that's so meaningful that the fact that life is suffering is no longer relevant. Now I like that. I like that a lot. But then waiting inside the comment with little daggers inside the horse is comments like, the patriarchy isn't real. And that kind of, I don't know, that kind of makes me sad. I mean, it's a really complicated thing, the patriarchy and women's rights and everything. And I mean, when you consider that women weren't allowed to vote, what was it? hundred years ago, you can't say that women have had fair treatment uh, throughout history. I don't think it's fair to say. And I don't, I don't want to get into his arguments, to be fair. I'm just more worried about Jordan Peterson kind of coming to or almost targets people with mental health and then lures them into his rhetoric. And there's a a lot of, I think, men in particular looking for help. And they seem to be captured by people like Jordan Peterson and Andrew Tate's another one. Young men. And I think that's because men with mental health problems, uh, there's a study showing they're less likely to see, seek help from trained professionals. And so young men are finding help in other areas like podcasts. Podcasts are private. No one needs to know you're listening to mental health advice. And yeah, it's, it's kind of scary that these men might fall into that Trojan horse trap, I think. And these are men looking for answers, and maybe they find some answers with Jordan Peterson and then get lulled into his rhetoric, which is the patriarchy isn't real, and that debate is conflict, and that just not just no compassion really for other human beings is in their differences like the little white sparrow and so yeah I, I thought back to the therapist a counselor I had seen and the men's counseling service he was offering and how he's recommending Jordan Peterson and Joe Rogan as people to help sort your life out and to be fair, in a sense, they do offer some sound mental health advice. But the rhetoric behind it is kind of scary. And who, like, if you're young and susceptible, like I know, like I was when I was younger, you could have your world turned upside down on you. And it's, it's scary. You could take your frustrations out on other people instead of realizing and having compassion for their differences blame them for how you are feeling and that's kind of scary to me and to be honest I don't know I've been thinking about it and I think if it would be possible I know schools are already underfunded teachers should be paid more 100% that's such an important job I think it could be nice for some aspects of mental health to be taught in school just to learn about one's emotions and understand them and 
just help young people out. Young people are crying out for help. We're offering free mental health services. We have counsellors in school, but is a counsellor enough if someone has to go out and seek them? Maybe a man who is ashamed to feel the way he does, or female, there is plenty of those I'm sure that would do too. Bringing counselling to them in class without them having to go out and see it, I think would be a great thing. So, next song, Joy Orbison, Bromley. This song's really cool. Bromley is something of a wolf in sheep's clothing. It's tough, it's percussive, it unrolls without much fanfare, lacking cinematic moments or even much in the way of distinguishing characteristics. Until 3 minutes and 43 seconds, as the beat drops out and then voice breaks through the vocal sample. It says, say it, yeah, and it's garbled, tripping over its final syllable like a stuck CD. But the words themselves are hardly the point. It's all about the energy that falsetto falsetto cry brings to the song and the hole it leaves as it falls silent once again gone as unexpectedly as it appeared the vocal lick returns a handful of times and sometimes it remains almost as startling each time it disappears the drums proceed as though nothing has happened leaving you with the weird sensation that maybe you imagined the whole thing it's a lesser riff in a collective hallucination, and it's precisely that ability to conjure a room full of wonder that makes it the ten-pole tune that this season needed. Paradise Delay Podcast, signing out. This is Joy Orbison. I'm not signing out, that was a lie. And it's called Bromley. You're on Fresh FM. I hope you enjoy it.
You are back on the Paradise to Late podcast on Fresh FM. Yeah, so I was talking about uh, Jordan Peterson and how he kind of, I think he kind of lowers kids in with mental health advice and then gets his rhetoric across, uh, dangerous rhetoric behind the podcast. And I just think it's it's dangerous, the podcast space, a little bit. To get into but what I can really recommend is a podcast called the blind boy podcast if you're looking for a podcast that talks a lot about compassion I've never heard Jordan Peterson talk about compassion and understanding and he has the best Irish accent it's just so nice to listen to the Irish accent it's like an Irish wolfhound licking your ears it kind of tickles him it's really nice. So Blind Boy on the Blind Boy podcast talks about compassion and creativity and spin it, spins it in a way that is both captivating and enlightening. He is incredibly open about his own experience with mental health, battling anxiety, and wants people to learn from his experiment experience. And when the topic goes over his head, it gets complicated he gets experts in, uh, in experts in their field to talk about specific areas of mental health. And yeah, I'd recommend it to anyone, not only young listeners. It's really the only podcast I listen to. It's one that try to emulate the feeling, the podcast hug. So I hope you've had a nice podcast hug from this podcast. I hope it's okay. The mosquito still hasn't turned up, so I assume it will bite me in the van tonight. We will see. Uh, no songs for me this week, uh, but I promise in a fortnight I'll have a banger ready for you. So yeah, be compassionate with one another, and most importantly with yourself. Go hug a dog, stroke a cat, just breathe in the Nelson air if you're listening to this. So this is a blind boy podcast, it's not the blind boy podcast, <laughs> this is a Paradise Lay podcast, emulating the blind boy podcast, signing out, ciao. The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM, the top of the South's community access media station, with support from New Zealand On Air. The funding of access media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz.